And now I will ask Veronica Lacey to come to the podium to say a few words about Take Our Kids to Work and to introduce our moderator and panelists. Veronica, would you join us up here, please? Thank you, Helen, and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's always wonderful. I can hardly believe that it's been a year since we held our first luncheon with the Canadian Club, and I would like to say a very, very special thanks to Helen Burston and the Canadian Club for hosting this wonderful event on the National Take Our Kids to Work Day. So, ladies and gentlemen, could you please join me in thanking Helen and the club for hosting us today? What a great opportunity. Of course, we are particularly thrilled to have more than 200 kids and more than 300 people in total in this room today. And then, of course, you're joined by over 250,000 kids who are going to work with their neighbors and their moms and dads and volunteers right across this country, coast to coast to coast. So grade nine kids like you today have an opportunity to see what adults do during the work day. We at the Learning Partnership believe that the future of this country really depends on the quality of our public educational system. And we believe that a strong public educational system is a cornerstone of a civil, of a prosperous, and a democratic society. So as champions of public education, we're particularly interested that every one of you and those 250,000 kids, plus all the other kids, have a great Canadian future that starts in a great Canadian public school. Take Our Kids to Work started in 1994. As I think about it, some of you were not even around then. So maybe some of the people who've come here as your hosts were involved in Take Our Kids to Work Day then. And maybe even though they never thought about it, they actually ended up doing the job they thought they would never do. So that's what's so special about Take Our Kids to Work. It's about an opportunity where kids see the tremendous number of options that are open to you. And so maybe you haven't found your dream job yet. Maybe today's job that you're job shadowing is the one or is not the one. But it is the beginning of a very exciting journey and is a journey that is your journey. It is your individual journey. It's highly personalized and you have choices. That's what's so exciting. Today, you're going to hear from three great Canadians who have dream jobs. Or at least, I think they're going to say they have dream jobs. But they are joining us to share some of their experiences. So as you heard Helen Burston say today, our three panelists are Jamie Kennedy. And of course, his name is the hero in Canada. We're so proud to have him. He's the executive chef of Jamie Kennedy Kitchens. To Dan Levy, who is the host of MTV, and to Natalie Westlake. Just sitting at the table 
and having an opportunity to hear these people talk about how much they love what they do makes me excited about what's open for all of you and your future. So thank you to all of you, to our sponsors, to the Canadian Club, to the people who brought you here today for caring and for sharing this wonderful luncheon. After, as you heard Helen say, the floor will be open for questions. And if last year was any indication, this room is going to be a buzz with exciting, exciting questions and answers. So let's get on with it. Most of you will recognize our MC for today. She is from City News, and she has worked there since 1998. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our wonderful, wonderful moderator for today, Morella Fernandez. Morella. Thank you so much. Well, good afternoon, everyone. How are you guys doing today? Hey, you're out of class today. That's a good thing. That's a good start. Um, the panelists are going to join me in just a second. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself uh, as I get started here. Um, I grew up in Malvern. Anybody here from East End of Scarborough? Anybody? Oh, there they are back there. There you are back there. Um, so that's where I grew up and went to school. And I went to Carleton University for the journalism program uh, after high school. And we were talking about whether this is the job you thought you were going to do when you grew up. And I'm definitely a case of no. This is not something I thought I was going to do or dreamed of doing uh, when I was younger. In fact, I thought I was going to be an archaeologist, mostly because I had a crush on Indiana Jones. And those of you who saw the movie this year or last summer, I guess, will understand why. Um, and this is something I almost fell into. I was uh, really great at writing and wanted to pursue writing uh, as a career, so I went into journalism. And then, you know, had my doubts, definitely, definitely had my doubts. Did an internship in television, got a job and worked really hard, and I found it was something that I was really good at and I enjoyed, and so have made a career out of it, but definitely not something that I, I knew I was going to end up doing. You know, and I'm so happy doing it. I get to meet some of the most interesting people around, I get to be in interesting situations every day. And you get to see all of that, but there's so much more to the job um, than what you see at the end of the day. And that's what we're here today to talk about, is the stuff behind the scenes. You get to ask all of these great people, well, what's the rest of your day like? What's the hardest part? What, what's the easiest part? What do you get out of? Do you go home and cry into your pillow every once in a while? Because sometimes we do. So you get the opportunities today to get all of the uh, questions you have answered, and I know you're going to have questions. So let's welcome our panelists up to the stage. Thank you, madam. Hello. How are we doing? <laughs> Why are we so quiet? Hey, you've got gold shoes on. I do have gold shoes on. Wow. They were very expensive. Oh Kidding. My. Kidding. Okay, so you guys, uh, take a minute. We'll start with Dan and we'll move in. Uh, just tell us who you are, what you do, how long you've been doing it. Let's start, let's start the easy way. Sure. Um, my name is Dan Levy and I am a host on MTV. 
Um, um, I've been doing it now for almost three years, and uh, and it has there's not a day that goes by where I'm not thankful that I'm doing it. So. Natalie. Um, my name's Natalie Westlake. Um, I have a funny title, Director of Keeping It Real with My Homies. I actually, I, I live in the U.S., and I could sum up my job by saying I, I'm a goal coach. I'm, I'm responsible for culture in the eastern U.S. for Lululemon. And um, I feel the same way. I don't think there's a day that goes by. Absolutely, I, I cry in my pillow some days. Mm -hmm. But um, there's not a day that goes by that I, I don't pinch myself and think I'm so lucky. Jamie, any crying in the pillow for you? <laughs> Hi. I'm Jamie Kennedy, and um, I'm from Toronto, and um, I'm a cook, first and foremost. That's my trade. And I've had a fairly long career so far, and it's been, it's been, it's been a, a very interesting journey. And I'll tell you more about it as, as this afternoon progresses. I'm going to toss the questions back now. Uh, did you always think you were going to be a chef or involved with a clothing company or a host on MTV, did you always think that this is what you would do when you grew up? We'll start with you, Jamie. Well, I, I've always, I was always fascinated as a kid with, with, the, with the theatricality of, of, the restaurant, of the restaurant. When my parents brought me and my brother and sister to have a family dinner at a restaurant, I was just as much interested in what was going on behind the kitchen door as I was with having the meal with my parents. It was like a magical experience and it, it, it inspired me from that age, which I guess was about eight or nine. And then <clears throat> it was the dawning of the television era. There's much more television now than there was in those days. But one of my heroes was, was uh, Julia Child from um, the French chef, the, the, the woman really who was personally responsible for popularizing French cuisine. Uh, to the masses. Natalie? Um, no, I, I didn't think this is what I would be doing at all. Uh, when I was younger, I think I was just mostly concerned with making people laugh. That's what I, I gravitated toward. I was definitely the class clown. So I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just I knew that I needed to be connected to people. I needed to be in a job that allowed me to be with people every day. Okay, Dan. Um, in high school, I guess I was um, very involved in the um, drama program. Um, also, at the same time, wanting to be a pizza maker, which didn't turn out for me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, I kind of continued doing theater, you know, through school. Never really knew where it was going to take me. Um, and then, you know, the opportunity to work for MTV came very much by, you know, a series of fluky coincidences and, and the rest was sort of history. So, I mean, yeah, it, it took me for a loop there for a bit, but yeah, it was, I guess we'll get into how it happened. I was going to say, let's talk a little bit about some of the jobs <clears throat> you've had in the past, maybe not related to what you're doing now. Um, I, for example, had to do, uh, I was one of those people, those telephone marketers, the ones you hate that call during dinner. Yeah, I was one of those for a while. $6 an hour is a great paying job. And uh, I used to work at Mary Brown's Fried Chicken, which I don't even know if that exists anymore, Mary Brown's Fried Chicken, but I smelled like fried chicken forever in a day. So, you know, you do those jobs sort of as you're growing up, and mm -hmm. even if it's not what you want to do in life, you can go, okay, that's something I don't want to do in life, and, and you move on. So have you ever done 
jobs that you knew you weren't going to spend your life doing, but it helped in some way to build uh, your personality or your uh, creative side or something in you that helps you do what you do today. And we'll start with Natalie. Sure. Um, yeah. In high school, I worked at a restaurant. And it wasn't a magical experience for you like it was no. for Jamie. <laughs> I, Jamie would be ashamed and frightened if he saw me in a kitchen. Okay. It, it wasn't a good experience for it. I mean, I think what it, what it taught me was um, integrity and a sense of um, personal responsibility. And, and that, that's huge. You know, that's a, a part of my personality that I developed very young, understanding that um, I do what I say I'm going to do by when I say I'm going to do it. And that's, I think today such a, a valuable resource in people and um, I had the opportunity to, to get that in, in that experience. So, okay. Dan? Oh, I've had a slew of bad jobs. Um, I worked uh, at a video store, which was really rewarding for any of you that are working <laughs> a video did store. Did you get free videos? I did, oh, yeah. So there was a bonus there. It didn't really <laughs> compensate for working at the video store. Um, I worked on uh, a reality television show, and uh, and you know how in the when they're trying to you know see all the people and they come in and there's like a thousand, two thousand, five thousand people in a big parking lot waiting in line to audition. So my role at one point was to take a garbage bag and walk around the lines and lines and lines and lines of people and ask if anyone had any garbage. Excellent. <laughs> you would be horrified at the garbage that people had. Um, and it was sort of, I came home at the end of the night and my parents said, so how was your day at work? And I said, well, it was 95 degrees outside and I was a garbage man. Yeah. And they said, good for you. Yeah. I would not have had it any other way. Well, so. Yeah, that brings to the point too, is that we all have these jobs which somehow, somewhere people will call glamorous. Mm -hmm. But it isn't always so. But I think at the end of the day, and, and I'm sure you guys will agree with me too, it's like when you do these jobs, they lead to something else. Sure. And my job at, you know, I was working at Canadian Idol, and, um, and that's sort of what ended up through a series of events getting me my job at MTV. But it's because I did the job that I did mm -hmm. with as much passion as I would, you know, my job now. And I think it's, it's never really thinking that the, the job that you have is kind of crappy and I'm going to kind of be crappy at it because I don't care. It builds because character. It builds character and people notice. People yeah. notice the hard workers. No matter what field. you're doing as long Absolutely. as you work at it really hard. Even when I was the uh, telephone marketer, uh, what I learned from it was how to take rejection, right? Because people just hang up on you all the time. Like, so for hours, people are just hanging up on me and you're like, I was 16. It's like, oh. But I have to learn to take rejection in, in my job uh, now. I have to go out on the street a lot of the time and ask people for their opinions. And some people don't want to talk and they're rude about it. So you have to learn how to let it bounce off of you. And I learned some of that way back when, uh, when I was answering phones or calling people at their home. Jamie. Hmm. I've, I've had a number of different jobs before I got into cooking. I was 17 when I went into cooking full time. So my, my work experience before cooking is limited. But I did hold a, um, I, I was a paper route. I had a paper route, a paper boy. So you were up at the crack of dawn? I was. Yeah. And it was over a rural route, so there was a, a big, long bicycle ride. And um, what I got out of that, I suppose, was um, a bit of customer relations, a bit of rejection, um, but mainly... How to run away from dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... Um, 
but mainly it was it was a sense of satisfaction. You know, I earned money enough to buy a bicycle, for example, things like that. But like it was a it was a first introduction really into into into, into an entrepreneurial lifestyle that of course I, I still have today and, and hold dear. Um, and the the person that hired me on the from the from the uh, the newspaper was uh, impressed and he and he told me so at my stick to itiveness over over the course of the two years that I had the job starting at age 13 to keep getting up in the morning and delivering the papers and you know and as Natalie was saying like to do what I what I what I was set out to do and what I was what I was instructed to do it certainly people noticed and it certainly helped me uh, further on in my career so you guys are hearing the same message here I think uh, do it do it well and keep doing it um, because it might not it might not make sense to you going into the chicken restaurant every day and frying the chicken. But at some point in your life, uh, it'll all fit together. You just, you, you're not going to see it right now. You're going to see it sort of 10 years from now, 12 years from now, you know, who knows when. Um, we want to know what a typical day is on the job for you guys. Because like I said, uh, you know, people watch the newscast and they think I show up for a half an hour every day and read the news and I'm done, uh, which is the farthest thing from from what my day is really like. So let's talk about what your day is actually like. We'll start with Jamie and we'll move out. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, my days these days uh, start pretty early morning, getting up. Uh, I live on my farm now, which is about 100 miles from the city. So I'm out there milking a cow. Uh, seriously, I'm out there milking my cow at about 6.30 in the morning. I have to go into the field to find her. And this morning was particularly difficult because it was foggy. I couldn't see a thing. And uh, there's a herd of cows out there, and there's only one of them that has to be milked, and she's really hard to pick out of the crowd. So I had to go around and look at each cow. Joy, where are you, Joy? Where? So finally I, I got her in here, and I was a little bit late today because, <laughs> because it took a little longer than, than it normally does. And I have uh, chickens on the farm, and so they had to be um, looked after, and ducks, and... Um, Pigs. I had to feed the pigs, and they're really noisy in the morning. So I usually like to do that job first because it's. Uh, if you've ever, ever had kept pigs and, and had to feed them, it's uh, it's uh, they're, they are incredibly demanding. Okay, I have to ask: Has anybody kept pigs? I was say. <laughs> you have? Wow! Anybody else kept pigs ever? Oh, oh, one one in the back. Okay. So this is, you know, this isn't this isn't the beginning of a of a typical day of a cook, but it's it's a direction in my career that I'm that I've taken, which um, has led me to that's the beginning of my day, and the, the way my day will end today is uh, at uh, a dinner event that is taking place uh, at the Palais Royal, and it's with with it's with the Stop Community Kitchen, and it's a um, a fundraiser for their organization. What they do is they they provide meals for, for, for recent people who have recently arrived in Canada and are trying to get, get, get on their feet again. And they provide uh, meals and counseling for, for people in the city of Toronto. And uh, they're doing great work. Okay. Uh, Natalie, go ahead. Um, I think my days can look so different. But I, I work in New York, so um, it's a very fast-paced job. Um, I would best describe my job as being an expert listener. So um, my day can consist of being on conference calls and listening to the conversation and hearing 
where um, inside of any given conversation we're kind of falling away from our original intention as a company um, and then realigning. So my job is really to be an expert listener and hear where it is people are at and then um, and to realign us with why, why it is we do what we do as a company. Um, I'm also the goal coach um, for the leadership team on the eastern U.S. So my job is meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, meeting with managers and leaders in the eastern U.S. Um, to goal coach them in their life. And that's everything from their health goals to personal goals to um, professional goals. I think a lot of the kids probably... Um, wouldn't understand or wouldn't see a job like that very often. Yeah. Explain to them uh, why your position exists for your company, because I know we don't have cool. a position like that in, in my company. Great. Yeah, great question. Um, well, everybody knows who Lululemon is in Canada. So um, our original intention, if you haven't heard it before, is um, elevating the world from a place of uh, mediocrity to greatness. And that, that really means... Um, working with people one-on-one -on -one and seeing greatness in them and seeing and being committed to them reaching their goals in their life. And we spend a lot of time doing that because we know that the more balanced you are in your, in your life, the more personally committed you are in reaching your goals, um, the happier you are. The happier you are at work, in your personal life, in your health. And that has real results for us as a business, but also for you, right? You're committed and you're, you're a balanced, happier person. So we spend a lot of time with our people. Okay. Yeah. Dan. Um, I have long, long days, um, like all of us, I guess. I get into work um, and uh, research and research and research and research and figure out what we're going to say. And, you know, if it's a day that... You know, we have special guests coming from the States. Um, you know, it's researching questions. And basically my day is making sure that when I go on TV at, you know, whether it's 8 o'clock for our daily show or whether it's 10.30 for the Hills, um, you know, it's, it's just making sure that you can convince people that you're comfortable and, you know, having fun with your job. And a lot of that takes a lot more work than it maybe shows on TV. But... Yeah, it's, it's a good 10, 12-hour day sometimes, and it's just, it's a lot of work put in, but it's, it's just, it's fun at the end of the day, and it's, you know, it's good work. It's work that you're excited to sort of invest your time into, so. Okay. You guys are all uh, at different stages in your career. Uh, you're fairly new. Uh, Jamie's been doing his thing for a long time. Natalie, you're probably in the middle. Uh, four years. Four years, okay. Yeah, four years. So you're closer to Dan's side. Um, where are you in your consideration of what's important is it balance in life? Is it getting ahead? Do you still have sort of things you want to do? Is it uh, your family? Is it money? Is it what drives you to do what you do uh, every day at this point in your career? And Natalie, I will start with you. I love this question. Um, I think it's so important to, um, to realize that balance, balance for me is different than balance for Dan or balance for Jamie. And that's a personal, it's such a personal mm -hmm. choice. You know, working 12 hours a day, six days a week, if I love every minute of what I'm doing, is balance, right? When you're passionate about what you're doing and you're committed to what you're doing, it's, you're loving every minute of your life. So it doesn't seem like work to you. But um, there's definitely, there's a balance of, 
family, being with family, and spending time on, on health, whether that's going to yoga or running. And I think it's just, it really is kind of a juggling act. You know, I know that if I don't have one day a week off for myself to do whatever, not have an agenda, spend time with my husband, then I don't have as much to contribute when I go back to work at the beginning of the week. So I think like the most important part of this conversation for me is just being aware that, that balance is a personal choice and that when you love what it is you're doing, you're choosing that. You really choose what it is, how it is you spend your time and you're enrolled in that. And so your, your life becomes boundaryless. Work is your life. It's uh, in sync with the rest of your life. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Jamie. Um, balance, you know, I agree with Natalie, balance is a, is a personal thing. In my profession, uh, balance is a difficult thing to attain. Um, as, a, as a cook, I think you have to have a lot of passion when you, get in, when you get into cooking. You have to love it. And when you love something and have a lot of passion for it, it's going to take up a lot of your time. So as you move through life, through your early career, into your mid-career, the question of um, what else is going on in your life starts to crop up. <laughs> and at that point, I think, um, for me anyway, in my experience, um, starting a family, that the balance between family and work became something much more difficult to, to achieve and to attain. And uh, it, I would say that um, in our industry, it's, um, it's, one, of the, it's one of the most important uh, issues um, to, keep, to keep harmony with personal life and professional life. So it's a very apt question. And I think now, sort of 30 years on, 30 plus years on in my career, I'm getting to a point where I feel balanced. I feel... Yeah, that's 30 years later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's harder than it, it sounds, Yeah. Uh, maintaining that balance. Mm -hmm. uh, Dan? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that I sort of have learned from my job and, and what I really hold dear now that I didn't when I started was that you're no better than, you know, the people that you might be in contact with. And I know that high school, for me, was not necessarily the best time because I wasn't the popular person. Um, and it might it's, have been those gold shoes, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, every, people are judgmental and people, you know, sometimes you're going to feel like you're not good enough or someone's better. And at the end of the day, that's not the case. And um, I remember specifically I was doing, you know, I, I get to interview a lot of really great people and I get to interview a lot of not so great people. And um, I guess I'll just share one little experience that yeah. I had. Um, I was doing an interview with John Mayer. Um, and he was not a very nice person. <laughs> and, I'm going to return that CD tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Not a nice guy. And was very much made me feel like I was less than him. Like what I was asking was completely inconsequential. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I'm not a huge John Mayer fan. It's my job to interview him. Much in the same way that it's his job as being a member of, you know, the celebrity world and putting out albums and promoting those albums to treat people who are asking him questions with the same respect that I would be treating him. Mm -hmm. And I think especially being immersed in, in you know, the world of celebrity, what you can understand sometimes is that there are people who think that just because they have a lot of money or just because they have you know, a platinum album that they sort of are entitled to something more than you are. And 
at the end of the day, what I've learned is that you kind of have to laugh at that and realize that you are no better or worse than those people. And, and whenever you are put in that situation where someone maybe makes you feel like you're not good enough, you just have to laugh it off and realize, you know what, if John Mayer is going to make me feel like I'm not good at my job, then so maybe he's not good at his job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so. uh, that self-confidence you will find. And it is. It took a while to find. Sometimes takes a long time. Absolutely. You when know, I first I mean, started, I was very sort of sensitive to all that and, yeah. you know, would take things really personally. But you have to learn how to, to, uh, to realize that that's your job. Totally. At the end of the day, and you still got to get up and do it tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Uh, we've got some questions from our students. First one I'm going to give uh, to Jamie. It's from Mike Chamberlain at Table 17. I don't know where Table Where's 17 Mike? is. There he is. Wave it out, Mike. There we go. Uh, who is the most memorable person you've made a meal for? Great question. Ah, I like cool that question. question. Mm -hmm. um, well, the, the first the, the person that jumps off the page is Elvis Costello. Oh, and yeah. the reason why was not that he's that he was a uh, particular hero of mine. I always enjoyed his his work. I think he's a tremendous musician. Um, I like what he has to say in his music. Um, I really groove on his on his songs. But it was it was it was at the it was at the restaurant Palmerston where where I spent nine years of my career, and he came with uh, with with his producer. They were doing they were doing a recording in Toronto, and the producer introduced me to him, and we had a, a really great chat. But it 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 it, it, it loses what what Dan was getting at, which is really that uh, people are people and um, you know you can really notice if someone is putting on airs or if they're being genuine and that's what I came away with from my experience with Elvis Costello he's just a genuine man who's obvious who's, who's a who's tremendously talented and very good at his work but he was also aware of where he was and that this was my restaurant and he uh, took time to, to uh, not so much to compliment his experience, but to give me the sense that he really appreciated the experience that he had in my restaurant. And I just, like I said, it was the first thing I remembered. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes uh, you might see somebody, uh, you know, on television or in film and, and really admire their work and what they do and then meet them in person and think, you know, they're not that great. They're not down to earth. There's a lot of that. There's actually. a lot of that. And it's disappointing. It's imagine, not good. you know, imagine meeting somebody you've, like, if I had to meet uh, Harrison Ford one day, which I still have to do, um, and he was, and he was mean, you know, oh it would God. be hard for me to respect him uh, the next day. But after years of admiring his work, it, it would be hard to do. It's a crush. It's a childhood crush. This uh, question I'm going to ask uh, to all of you guys. Also, a very good question from Rose Devley at Table Four. Rose, wave. Where are you? Right here. <laughs> How do you deal with stress? Great question, Natalie. You can start on that. <laughs> um, how do I deal with stress? Well, yoga is a huge help. Um, that should, we should have seen that one coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a huge help. Um, and so is pushing my boundaries. Like I find um, I get really stressed out when I'm going to do something new or different because I don't know how it's going to go. So I get fearful, but I find that um, the stress that comes from those situations, I know it's, a, it's about not knowing how it's going to work out. So it's good stress. 
Yeah. So I find that um, those, are kind, those are great opportunities. When you feel stress and you know, okay, where is this coming from? And you can look at it as just like, well, that's what happens to me when I do something new. Or that's what happens to me when I don't know how it's going to work out. And just sort of get out of your own way and, and persevere. Just push through it. Because it's, it's always those opportunities that you do the most growth is when you feel stress and surprise push, yourself. Push through. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I'm probably the worst person to talk to about this because I'm a stress case every day of my life. Um, and it's your job to, I'm not gonna lie, it's your job I get to be really relaxed. stressed out. It's your job um, to be relaxed on TV and have fun. It is, which is shocking that this it's is hard. my job. Um, but yeah, we do live television every day and uh, every single day I get nervous to really? do it. And every single interview I have, I get nervous to do it and every single you know, doing something like this in front of a group of people. I get nervous to do it. I'm just naturally a nervous person, which is not probably meant for the job that I'm doing. But um, it's, it's just going through and doing them. And, it's, and I think it's at the same, and exactly what you said too, in terms of just, just taking whatever risk it is. Because for me, I'm a very sort of like, I don't have to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. But if I didn't take the risk, and if my friend at, at one point had said, you should come in and audition for MTV, and I got so stressed out over just the thought of, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? What are they going to do? Why well, I'm going to look like an idiot. And, but you take that risk and you do it anyway, and that's what got me the job. And it's, See, it's taking a risk that... You'll, you eventually, get, you eventually really get past that. I think that uh, you know, television is a pretty scary thing. Because um, I definitely had the nerves years and years ago, and then I, it just got to a point where I gave up being nervous. I'd done everything so many times and been in so many different and difficult situations, I, I knew there was no point in worrying about it. But now if I have to pick the color of my couch, I'm stressed. I can't wait to get there. <laughs> It'll come. Jamie. Um, stress. Well, for me, uh, the job is, is a, there is a daily stress quotient that comes with, with being a restaurateur, cook slash restaurateur. And... I think the way that I best cope with it is to make sure that I'm, that I'm, I'm well nourished. So good food. Uh, really and good food. Really good. Really good <laughs> he makes really good food. Yeah. Um, but that could mean a piece of peanut butter toast at night too. But the, the, <laughs> the and the other thing is, is uh, you know, it may sound boring, but a good amount of sleep every day, every day, and uh, moderate use of uh, substances. <laughs> you know, I mean, my, I'm talking about alcohol primarily, and um, you know, we do not condone any use of harmful substances to your body. Because you just mean beer, right? Well, no, I mean, part of my world is gastronomy. You just gastronomy. mean beer, right? <laughs> Listen, if you're going to be cooks, uh, part of part of uh, part of gastronomy is is the knowledge of, of wine and, and beer and uh, things like yeah, that. That's true. And um, so those kinds of things as part of the dining experience are, I think, integral. But again, in moderation. Okay. Thank you. Uh, next question uh, I have here <laughs> from Kate Morris, table 14 again. Where's Kate? Kate? Kate. There we go. She's shy. Look at her. I can tell from here. <laughs> she, her question, and I like this question too, what was your biggest mistake? Who wants, who wants to start with that one? 
That's a great question. That's okay, a really you important now. question. Okay. Um, my biggest mistake. You know what I think is so smart about your question is that we spend so much time looking good that we get in our own way all the time. Um, and what I mean by looking good is that, you know, we're, we're doing exactly that. Like, what are they going to think? Am I going to look like an idiot? Did I say the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? How is this going to sound? And we do that so much that we don't spend enough or we don't get the opportunity just to be ourselves. So making mistakes is, to me, the most important part of my job because it's, it's really what has defined my skills and it, it's, it's what I'm passionate about. You know, I guarantee you 99% of people that you'll work with when you're on your career path don't know what they're doing either half the time. We're all figuring it out as we go. Um, I think my biggest, my biggest mistake is not, I would sum it up by saying it's not, it wasn't taking chances when I had the opportunity to take a real risk and to take a chance and and maybe to fall on my face and look stupid, but just be vulnerable enough to do it and not care about what the outcome was. That, those are my biggest mistakes when I let those opportunities go by. When you're uh, a teenager, as a lot of you I'm sure are, uh, you're very self-conscious about making mistakes and yeah. looking foolish or silly or being embarrassed. The greatest learning experiences of your life will be when you pick yourself up after you make those mistakes, as yeah. big as they seem to you, as monumental as they seem to you, and learning from it. Because don't think that you know, you're not going to make mistakes by the time you hit 30, it's, yeah. it's, everything's cool. You might make fewer mistakes, but no, I've, I've still got some doozies that I, that I make, you know, uh, hopefully not, not as often as I have in the past because I've learned from my mistakes, but you still make them. And then you have to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and go, okay, what did I do here so that I never do that again? Yeah. And how can I grow from this experience? Yeah. So, uh, Jamie, mm -hmm. mistakes. Um, I think probably earlier in my career, the biggest mistake I made was in trying to look like I didn't or don't make mistakes. Because I guess earlier, early in my career, I, I started to become um, the boss. I was the boss. Um, probably earlier than most of my colleagues uh, in terms of when they became a chef. So I, I became a chef of a kitchen that had 15 employees. I had 15 employees under me when I was six years into the trade. And so I wanted to appear like I knew everything. And it's a little bit the same as, as Natalie. I was afraid to look vulnerable. I was afraid to look like I didn't know what I was doing. I always wanted to be in a position of, of authority and that, that I knew everything. And I think that was my biggest mistake because when you do lay yourself open for scrutiny um, or question, you're just broadening your, your communication base with people. You're establishing dialogue where maybe people were afraid to talk to you before. If, you're, if you appear vulnerable, if you appear more human, then it's a good thing. It's a good thing uh, for, for your, your workmates, and it's a good thing if you're the boss. Good question to always ask. Can I get some help here? 
Yeah. Could you help me? Do you know how to do this? Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure. Um, people are sometimes afraid to ask uh, for help, yeah. but it's one of the best. You'll learn. Imagine yeah. you could go 10 days not knowing something, ask one day, and you'll never have to ask again. Yeah. Can I get some help here? Dan. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, um, <laughs> He's yeah, like, which mistake do I start with? Well, they happen often. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's, it is along those lines, and not to be you know, totally repeating what everyone's saying, but my biggest mistakes, I guess, have come when I haven't been myself. And I think it'd be, for me, I, I, can't, I kind of came into this job. I didn't have a background in you know, on-air hosting or whatever. And, um, and what I didn't realize at the time was that they were hiring me for my personality and not for something else. And so there was a good part of you know, the first bit of my job where I was trying to be, you know, perfect, and it was really boring to watch, and I wasn't very good at my job. So it wasn't, it was only until I realized that, like, you know, you just kind of have to be who you are, and yeah. if people like it, they like it, if they don't, they don't. That's, that was the biggest mistake, is not seeing that, that and jealousy. Okay. Uh, I have one uh, last question. I'm just question. saying, jealousy's a big mistake, and, you know. It is. There was a That's time a whole another hour we got. It is, but um, jealousy, overrated. Let's ask this last question, and we have to wrap it up, so I'm going to ask you guys to just sort of uh, give me a quick answer. Who uh, inspires you uh, to do what you do or to make yourself a better person every day? I'm going to start with Dan, haha, oh, and come no. back. I know he's got that look like, wait a minute. Okay, we'll start with Natalie, because, okay. because Dan looks like he's thinking about it. Um, do I have to pick one person? Well, we want a short answer. Okay. So. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't think there's one person. I think being with people, like when people are vulnerable with me, when um, the sign of true strength, something that inspires me, is when someone can just be really real with me and say, you know what, I'm screwing up, or here's where I need help, or this is what I don't understand. That, to me, inspires me to want to be great. Okay. Yeah. Good. Jamie. Um. <clears throat> The, the community inspires me. I think I spent a lot of time um, earlier in my career um, kind of isolated because I was honing my craft in a sense. But what has become inspirational to me is the inclusion of, of community. And how that works in my world is um, looking at the whole picture of, say, a plate of food and where did all those things come from that are on the plate. And even extend that to the, the experience that the diner is going to have when they, when they dine on that plate of food. Um, uh, so these days, I'm much more concerned with if that piece of chicken came from somebody I know in the community than I was 20 years ago. And so in, for me, identifying gastronomy, I spoke of gastronomy, or food culture, it, it's all about uh, engaging with the community. Yeah. Um, I would just say honesty. Anyone who is honest, and I meet a lot of people you know, around the world doing my job, and the people who inspire me the most are the people who are just honest about who they are, what they want, where they're going. Because at the end of the day, we can all tell if someone's being fake. You know what I mean? So if you're being fake, we can see it. Um, so... You know, if we're going to take something, honesty, key. It's key because we can, it's being dishonest is very transparent. And that's okay. something that I've learned. Uh, let's get a big round of applause for our panelists today.
And I know Dan's like. Our moderator. <laughs> our moderator. Thank you. Yes, thank you. We have one last job before you get to leave the stage. You get to pick the prize winners. We've got a couple of uh, prizes. Lin Chow somewhere. There you are. She's going to bring you uh, the bowl and the cards in the bowl. So, Jim, you're going to draw first. And this is for sure. 10 bags of organic candy from Pure Fun Confection. So he's going to bring out the question. And the whole table is going to win. So let's find out which table it is. Which table number is on the back? Right. Not that one. Table 30. Table 30, where are you guys? There you guys, you guys won some Woo! organic candy from Pure Fun Confections. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Natalie is picking uh, for a table to win 10 MP3 players donated yes. by SanDisk. Wow. Table nine. Table nine. Woo! Excellent. Congratulations. I know. Okay, Dan, you are picking for 10 $20 gift certificates from Staples. So let's see who wins that. Okay. B is not a table. 13. Oh, 13. <laughs> <laughs> table, lucky table Where's 13. Where's table B? There they are. Good job, guys. You get the Staples gift certificate. And couldn't we get one last round of applause for our panelists as we hand things back to Helen? Thank you. Thanks very much, you guys. Thanks, Jimmy. Nice to meet you. Well, thank you again to all our panelists for your exciting and varied uh, insights into your careers. In fact, I found everything that was set up here so inspiring, I'm almost tempted to change my own career. I was thinking of uh, Celebrity Chef. I like the celebrity part, but then I heard about the pigs, so I think I'll, I'll pass on that one and maybe stick to my day job. The very wise and ancient philosopher Confucius, whose fortune cookies you've all read, once said that choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. That sounds like something to, that applies to each of our guests today. I'd like to thank all of them, Jamie, Dan, Natalie, and Morella, for showing us and inspiring us how uh, to love your career and how to make it seem easy. Um, and how to admit your mistakes and how to uh, inspire uh, a coming generation of careerists in their choices too. So let's give another great big round of applause for our career panel. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone in our audience today for being with us today and charging the room with your energy, your enthusiasm, and your excellent questions. And because we have one more prize to give away, um, and as another thank you, I'm going to pick another raffle ticket and uh, number 0261471 is the lucky winner. Oh, we have a winner. Yet another winner. Um, your prize is coming your way. And finally, I want to thank the Learning Partnership, the creators, and the people who are responsible for Take Our Kids to Work. What a big thank you we owe them for working uh, with us all today, and thank you for working with the Canadian Club to take our kids to lunch today. Let's do lunch again next year. <laughs> But for now, this meeting is adjourned. Thank you.